Hello from Yerushalayim of Shemesh. It's Benjamin Rose and myself, Gedali Gutentag with Mishpachaz Homefront, covering Israel's biggest conflict in a generation. A good chodesh to you, Benjamin. So, I think first up, if we were not sitting here in Israel, but in stateside, then we may very well have been on our way to Washington, D.C. for what's the biggest or the biggest community pro-Israel rally. The first one since 2002. The organizers are expecting a large turnout and just behind the scenes, uh, some hundreds of thousands, uh, one of them was telling me. And the question is what size and what's the composition of the crowd. But one of the big questions there is what are the metrics for success? We had Maury Litwack in the magazine talking about it this week, saying that he'd argue there's an audience of one for these uh, rallies in Washington, which is in this case, Joe Biden, you know, to stiffen his wavering resolve over Gaza. Would you agree, Benjamin, that that is the purpose of one of these big community rallies in Washington? There's no question that a show of force in the street is valuable and important. We've seen all around the globe, Gdali, in the last few weeks, demonstrations in London, in Paris, in many other cities, capitals, major cities around the world for the Palestinians and pro Hamas, if you will. And this is a very important opportunity for the Jewish community to get out and show that we can also get numbers through the street also, and our voices need to be heard and need to be considered. So I was reading in the Washington Post this morning where uh, they expect at least 100,000 people. I think that that may be what the permit is for, but I would imagine that more people will show up than that. It'll be interesting to see the mix between Orthodox and non-Orthodox. It'll also be interesting to see about this peace block that's supposed to rally also, because it mentions in the Washington Post article that there will be a group of members of what they call the progressive Jewish community, and they plan to meet ahead of the rally across from the National Museum of American History on the National Mall. So we need to keep our eye out and see what kind of turnout they get and also what kind of publicity they get compared to the main rally. Right. For me, one of the big things that we as kind of a publication and myself as an observer watching is actually not the Orthodox community because we perhaps live in a certain bubble, both by nature of what we do in our communities. And I think there can be a tendency, although the Jewish community, the Orthodox community is growing and is definitely gaining influence in many places, just simply its, its size and its resources. But certainly with a Democrat in office, the wider non-Orthodox Jewish community and what goes on in, in that side of that community is actually more important in terms of its ties to, to the White House uh, ability to exert influence through donations. I think we can overstate our own influence. And therefore, I, I think it bears watching what is going to be the nature of the turnout in the larger, wider Jewish community there for the simple reason that we've seen a very, very worrying trend, which is the younger Jewish generation going progressive, either refusing to speak up for Israel or turning into hostile to Israel. The non-Orthodox, you know, clergy, the letters of Kate's Israel from their the, the seminaries, etc. Very, very, very worrying stuff. But we have also seen, many, I mean, the indications that there have been young Jewish progressives and left-inclined Jews who have said, hey, this is a wake-up call. The progressives are not on our side. Men, women, and children were murdered, and yet they side with the murderers. And so, a sense, and I think it's going to be very important, as you say, the, the balance of how much of the mainstream non-Orthodox community turns out and how big, therefore, this counter-rally of the Jewish progressives is, because this could be a watershed moment. I just wanted to add to that, that 
the Jewish federations and the Conference of American Presidents, which are not uh, Orthodox organizations or the organizers of the rally. So my guess is that the biggest turnout will come from them. Also, in addition to speakers such as uh, Minority Leader, House Minority Leader Akeem Jeffries and Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, uh, the organizers have arranged for many college students to speak as well. I think that's a wise move. And if we get young people who are out there and who are college students who are pro-Israel, then that will give encouragement for others to uh, come out uh, who are pro-Israel and who are in the college community. And also it'll send an important message to uh, uh, college university presidents who really need to understand uh, what's right and what's wrong here and uh, need to uh, protect their Jewish students, uh, not to mention their Jewish donors if they want to survive as institutions uh, of higher learning in America. Cutting to another topic, Adalia, what's interesting to me is I've seen more writing and more publicity and more talk about the possibility of resettling Gaza refugees outside of Gaza, as opposed to returning them to Gaza after the war or letting the Palestinian Authority come in. Today in the Wall Street Journal, there was an op-ed printed that Europe and the U.S. accepted millions of refugees who fled earlier wars, and maybe it's time to do the same thing for the Gazans. Now, one of the authors of the op-ed was Danny Denon, who is a Likud MK and former ambassador to the United Nations. I would expect him to uh, write something like that, but his co-author is Ram Ben Barak, who's from Yeshatid. That is very, very significant. He's a former deputy head of the Mossad, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. A, a former leftist. And not only that, but it's not just for uh, American consumption. Ram Ben Barak was on Channel 12 recently, which is one of the most uh, left-wing channels in Israeli television. And he said the same thing there. He said that the dream of every young Gazan is to get out of Gaza. And his suggestion was that there's two and a half million people. And if each country would take 20,000 people, let's say 100 countries, the Gazans could be resettled. As he put it, he said, it's better to be a refugee in Canada than a refugee in Gaza. If the world really wants to solve the problem, it can solve it. So the more momentum that we see toward uh, that sort of uh, solution, rather than making Israel in charge of deciding what's going to happen in Gaza next, or asking the Palestinian Authority to come in, which is delusional, then if we can keep that momentum up, I think we're on the right track. I was interesting, Binyamin, to me, the idea of a repeat to what happened in 2015, where in Europe, particularly Germany, if you remember, they opened the border for a million Middle Eastern refugees from Afghanistan and different places. It almost totally upended German politics. It schlepped German politics rightward because the outrage on the right to the idea of opening up the gates to millions of what were basically economic migrants, it was titanic what caused over there. It led to the end of the reign of the whole post-war settlement in Germany which had been kind of soggy centrist, and it led to the rise of something called the Alternative for Deutschland, AFD, which is heavily anti-immigrant. The idea that there can be a Europe-wide settlement on this is a non-starter. I think it would struggle for traction in America even more. You've got uh, Trump very likely, or increasingly likely, to come back to office, let's say, next year. And one of the, th uh, the major policy points we see over here is a solution. Millions of migrant deportations. I think it'd be political suicide for the Democrats to start that type of thing at this moment as well. So I think the value in this type of thing uh, is not that these are going to become practical ideas. It's simply that it, it makes clear to the world, as you say, that instead of blaming Israel for the Gaza problem, 
if the world is so concerned, let it put the money where its mouth is and come up with a solution. I don't believe that solution is going to involve a transfer of large numbers to other places across the West. I think those days have passed. I think the political winds are, are, are against it. But we know, if I may, we did talk at length yesterday about the Gaza hospital issue and, and, and what's going on with the Shifa hospital, etc. And I just got to get this one off my chest because it, it sticks in the throat as, as, you know, the gall of it. And it goes like this. We saw last night that the chief IDS spokesman, Daniel Hagari, took a guided tour of the basement of the Arantisi hospital in Gaza, which is in northern Gaza. And he showed signs of uh, evidence of, firstly, you can see the World Health Organization stuff alongside uh, the basements that had been used till what, the last few days to hold some of those Israeli captives. And uh, many people have seen those. It's very shocking just to actually see close up in exactly the conditions they would have been held. And, and as expected, you had the world basically saying, ah, they shrugged and said, well, who cares? It just reminded me that of what is the overall standard of coverage of this type of thing, because naturally major media outlets said, well, you can use this language, but Israel has alleged that it's the case and that the IDF has made claims that couldn't independently be verified. And that's the type of language that we've grown used to. And yet... What we saw, I checked up the Washington Post a few days ago, I had an article about the allegations of Hamas being underground in Shifa Hospital, and they said, well, we couldn't verify the IDF claims like this. So they asked a couple of overseas doctors whether they saw Hamas around. They said, no, they didn't see any around. And that was the article from this week. If you look back in the archives, the Washington Post in 2014, um, you can still find it. It's not even around a paywall. He says that the hospital in 2014, reported by Washington Post's own reporter, William Booth, but the hostel has become, I quote, a de facto headquarters for Hamas leaders who can be seen in the hallways and offices. Now that's 2014. This is 2023. Things may well have changed. Maybe they're not walking around the corridors anymore. But they're probably walking underneath the corridors. Correct. They're only underneath, as I said, as I said yesterday. But Benjamin, as a senior editor, when you need to write an article, all you do, if you have on-the-ground reporting from a few years before that has bearing on it, when no one else has any reporting, what do you do? You quote it. You say, this is from 2014. To me, the, the omission of this is not something an editor does by mistake. It's an editorial decision to leave this out. This type of material, it's so strange to leave it out. To me, it's slanted, it's unprofessional, really just what we come to expect from outlets like this. When it comes to Gaza, there's endless benefits uh, of the doubt for the so-called Gaza health authorities, who we know are really Hamas, right? and endless scrutiny of Israel, a democracy. And so whatever they say is alleged, whatever the Gazans say is much more credible. And to me, it just cries out to the heaven, this type of thing. But I had to get that one off my chest. No, one, this is literally going to change nothing. But can I just finish? I know I've done some of the talking over here, but let me just take this to the finishing line over here, which is, it occurred to me, we began, it's Rosh Chodesh. And Rosh Chodesh is a time of spiritual awakening. And I think that in our search the last few weeks for bright points and in the story of the last few weeks, we've not touched on one thing, which is something hard to quantify, but definitely there, which is uh, until a few weeks ago, we had a situation in which one of the most divisive issues in the country was literally religion. Okay, it got so far as on, on Yom Kippur, in the name of secularism, there was tearing down of Mechitzas and Tel Aviv, terrible sites. That has vanished. And instead, what has replaced it inside the army, you can see video after video and secular soldiers going for brochas, wearing tzitzis, putting on tefillin, and if nothing has come, again, it's hard to quantify how far it's spread, but it's definitely big. And how long it's going to last, we don't know. But if there's one thing that's a silver lining out of that, is that that terrible, terrible rhetoric, as if Yiddishkeit, Judaism, was the enemy of, of the people, 
uh, of Israel, that has disappeared to be replaced by something a lot more healthy. And so I can only hope it continues further. As they say, Gedalia, there are no atheists in a foxhole. And uh, once again, that's proven to be true. And just to add to what you said, I saw two heartwarming videos on some of the television channels yesterday. One was a, a pity on our Ben that army soldier did. Unfortunately, the young lad couldn't be there uh, because it was just the army troops, but the father still did a pity on our Ben and made the brachas. And uh, the second thing I saw that was heartwarming was the affixing of a mezuzah on a building in Gaza by an army troop. Now, they didn't make it clear what kind of building it was. They said it was a residence, but not that I necessarily expect that we're going to repopulate Gaza. We were saying before about, we were discussing before, we'll probably have to talk about this again, about the refugee situation. Uh, we don't know how this is going to end up. And as you said, it's probably more of a changing the conversation and changing the tone rather than a brand new policy. But we just don't know how this is going to end. And it could possibly end with the, at least some of the Gush Katif settlements coming back and Gaza turning into... Uh, the Monaco of the Middle East, I'm a bit of a dreamer. It doesn't always come across in my writing. I'm a lot more practical and somber. Actually, I'm a very optimistic person and I'm hoping that we're going to see much better days ahead. Have a good day, and to all you and all our listeners.